hearing the voice of God in your life is, is it's listening to the voice of love. And I don't know if any of us are like, nope, all filled up, don't need any more of that. Um, because God's love, or just God who is love, is that is, is transforming presence. And so when you're saying like, I want to get something out of it, it's like, yeah, I want to be transformed yes. <laughs> by love. And I don't think that's anything to be uh, ashamed of. I think where we get in some problems is that we think that we have to be somebody else in order to be successful at religion. And that that is the work that we must work through is that like, you know, God is not going to love us any more than where we're at right now. Hello there, and welcome back to the Can I Say This at Church podcast. Today you are in for a treat, but before that, a few announcements. To those of you that have rated and reviewed the show on iTunes, I love you. I love you so much. I like going in. I go in about once a week now, and I see the new ones, and I see how the show's impacting you or not impacting you. Either way, every time that each of one of you does that, uh, it really does help the show. It gives me some constructive feedback. And so before we get started, thank you for that. To those of you that support the show on Patreon, and if you don't, why do you not? I'm telling you right now, I've used that platform to give new content. I mean, just recently, uh, many of you were able to listen to uh, a conversation that I had over a year ago that I've just never released with Thomas Talbot and talking about evangelical universalism and the hope that maybe that could be right and that we could all be reconciled to God ultimately and honestly what better thought than that i don't know where i sit with it still it's been over a year it's been years actually but that's okay but you get stuff like that you'll get you know other content like like the four-part series with with paul thomas on oscar romero and and just a bunch of other little clips and i appreciate all of you that, and and it's so mm, i love that community i love it so much and so i would invite you to do that for less than a very very bad cup of coffee literally less than the dollar menu now at McDonald's. Uh, come into that environment. Consider supporting the show that way. As this past six months is interwoven, you've probably heard me talk a lot about contemplation and the examine. And I'm continuing to do that this year, but I'm trying to work in a few more types of prayer into my daily and weekly routines. And I'm not very good at it, but that's okay. It's not really the point. But I, I'm finding that the part of church that I didn't ever really engage with because I didn't know how was iconography. And so iconography and prayer go hand in hand, especially when you use the two intentionally. So I had a discussion uh, right on election day. So this, you'll, this conversation is a little bit dated about prayer and maybe intentionally practicing it in a different way. And so they have co-written a book uh, entitled oddly enough, prayer, 40 days of practice. And in that, you're going to hear uh, myself and Scott and Justin kind of wrestle with some of the concepts there and what happens when we engage in prayer and we're honest with ourselves, and what we do with that uncomfortability. And when I say we, I mean me and maybe you, but that's on you to decide. Uh, quick caveat on this. So you'll hear in the background, you know, sometimes you hear kids, you'll hear buses, you'll hear trains you'll hear random static and so because of the way that the world works people are busy and so we we use the best opportunity of time that we have but because of the conversation and the more that i've listened back to it so i I let it sit for months and then i came back to it i'm really thankful for this conversation i'm very thankful for this book and i've continued to engage in it uh, a couple times a week and it has really helped me the the icons and the images and the prayers that i'm using today are different than the time of this conversation but entirely still is true for me as I, as I continue to do contemplation and wrestle with truths about God and myself. Enough of me and this monologue. Let's start this conversation with Justin and Scott. Justin McRoberts and Scott Erickson, thank you so much for um, taking the time at different parts of the planet and the continent, and I'm thankful for the internet. And, uh, and your willingness to be able to, on, on, a, on a not busy day, you know, we've all got lives and and uh, it's an election day today as we record this. And so there's a lot yes, going on. Is. And so thank you for taking time to talk about something I think we all could do better at, um, prayer. 
So before we do that, just welcome to the show to both of you. I'm, I'm so thankful for you being here. Oh, thank you. Having, thanks for having us on. Thanks. Yeah, we're excited. This will be hard because people can't see you. And so, so people can kind of get to know a little bit better of your voices. Can each of you kind of just walk through a bit about yourself, what you would want, kind of the little one to two minute elevator pitch of what you do, why you do it, and why it's important? Go ahead, Scott. Um, yeah, well, my name's Scott Erickson, um, and I am a professional artist, which I like to joke means I've taken a vow of poverty. Uh, but no, I, uh, I'm interested in, um, well, I'm interested in the image, the images that we make and we think about, and I'm interested in how that, uh, informs kind of our spiritual formation. And so what I have been doing for a number of years is, uh, imaging the spiritual journey, what that looks like. Um, cause we all, I, I, my running theory is that, you know, our, our words are informed by an image and then our beliefs are informed by words. So really when we, we say we believe in certain things, we have an inner image that we have to recognize and stuff. Um, or we have to see. And, uh, so a lot of times it's a negative working image that we have to replace and really coming out of a Protestant tradition, I, I didn't have any of that. And so, uh, I kind of, I give a nod to historic, uh, imagery, Christian imagery and stuff, but really I'm trying to develop a new lexicon for that kind of, uh, work. So that looks like creating artwork, being commissioned to make artwork. And then I do a bunch of speaking and performance storytelling kind of experiences dealing with the image on different topics and, and have co-authored, uh, a, a book or two with this guy, Justin McRoberts. That's that's what keeps him busy. <laughs> that's what keeps him busy or you busy? Uh, that keeps some of me busy. And then I have three kids and a wife and two cats, and that's I know a how whole that other is. thing too. I know how that and a, is. And yeah. a house that we're renovating, which you, are is you thing. are you building art into the house? Uh, I have. I, I'm looking at like three canvases that I have to make paintings for art in the house. Which is nice to be able to be like, well, I can make the own art, my own art for the house. But no, we we got a great house, but it needs some work. So there's just yeah. this like constant list of things to update. Yeah. And then so to bounce that, Justin, tell us a bit about you. So Justin McRoberts, born and raised in the San Francisco Bay Area, uh, east part of the Bay Area, the Oakland side of the water. Working backwards, yeah, uh, Scott and I have uh, put together two books Um the one uh, we'll talk about mostly this morning prayer four days of practice, and then um, another one that follows that up, which is also so. Yeah. Book. Um, I started writing books about 2012. After spending from 1998 to 2012 almost exclusively uh, playing songs, telling stories, then became a little bit more of a storyteller. I planted a church in 1998 as well, so I've done some work as a as a local pastor or speaker. I do some retreat leading. I also have uh, kids. I've got two kids. I've got an eight, 18-month-old girl and an 8-year-old boy. I also run a podcast called the At Sea Podcast, which is just That's cool. Yeah, I didn't listen yeah. to any of those, but I saw it. I went to your website earlier uh, in the week, and I noticed that. And because of time, I just didn't have time to listen to any, but I... I've added it to the list to listen to. I didn't want to. I didn't want to tent my view of questions ahead of time by listening <laughs> to that. Um, I, I need. I needed them to be genuine for me. Um, so y'all have written written a book on prayer uh, entitled "Prayer: Forty Days of Practice." And I will tell you, the first thing that struck me at it is when I got it from the publisher. I I, I expected a sit down and a whole bunch of meat, and what I got instead was a whole bunch of work that I had to do, which <laughs> I, which if I'm honest, Success. I don't know that I'm happy with that, but I will say, <laughs> I will say the prayers interspersed through this <laughs> are, um, I don't like, so I don't, I don't like having to deal with my own issues. I, I'm not a big fan of that. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a type eight on the Enneagram. I just don't deal with that well. I like to set a target, hit the target, move on from target, and I don't look back. So prayer specifically Good, cont <laughs> prayer contempt prayer specifically contemplative prayer i'm trying to get better at i feel like it'll make me a better human but i also hate every single moment of it and i don't know if there yes. will ever be a time that i jump over that proverbial shark 
So why 40? I would, I would assume there will be. Really? Oh, yeah. Why 40 days? Is, there, is that just a magic number or it just felt right? Um, there's a, it, I mean, every year uh, the season of Lent posts itself up as an opportunity for folks who don't like prayer to feel or don't feel connected to prayer to actually do something in the direction of prayer. So, you know, folks give up chocolate, folks, you know, quit the internet, folks, you know, stop drinking booze, folks kind of spend this season, uh, this 40-day season in the spring called Lent, doing something religious, even for those of us who don't consider ourselves particularly religious. Yeah. And Lent felt like the right season to do that, because I think... and context. So initially, uh, the idea of 40 days lined itself up with uh, the season of Lent. The other side of the coin there is like the thing you were just saying with regards to like, hey, I don't think we'll ever get to the other side of you know this particular obstacle in my life. I, you know, Scott and I are in alignment here with the idea that you know most spiritual things are a matter of practice and they're not a matter of magic. And there's this weird, um, there's this weird thing that's happened in the context of evangelical Christianity, which we kind of have these, these magical beliefs about the things that we do, whether it's the reading of the Bible or the song we're listening to or the sermon we're going to get, mm-hmm. that there's going to be like a magic to it, that it's like the one sermon's going to change your life, or it's this one song where the Holy Spirit decides that the Holy Spirit's going to move, or it's the one time you pray, as opposed to the reality of the human soul, which is, it's a matter of practice. It's a thing that shapes your heart, your soul, your mind, your body over the course of time and repetition. And so yeah. why 40 days? Like, well, don't just do one of these. Don't just hang out here for a minute. Give this some time. I think that's great. I, I mean, and there's a biblical precedence for that number of a significance that that time, whether it's literal or kind of metaphorical, that lends to this kind of transformational process. And so along with the, the built-in framework for Lent, uh, this kind of bis- biblical number, it just made sense that if we were going to give like a, a series or like a, a time in order to do this, we said, why don't you commit to this time? And that was, uh, that was a bit, I like, <laughs> uh, I'm going to go off the rails a little bit. I like your, <laughs> I like the, I, I think what Justin is saying is really important about kind of what we start thinking is like, if I could just this song or I could just do this prayer, there's going to be this kind of one time that that I'll, then I'll be transformed versus this um, constant kind of keeping the the soil tilled um, spiritual yes. like if you think about the idea of spiritual practice spiritual practice is not so it, when, spiritual practice is not the like the one-off thing that we're gonna have this experience if you look if we think about the metaphor that Jesus gives about the sower planting seeds what spiritual practice is is it's t- it's keeping your soil tilled. Because God is actually the one that plants the seeds. So spiritual practice is a way of like being ready for when that seed is planted. Um, so prayer in of itself isn't this like moment of like, oh, I'm going to have this, you know, the spiritual kind of Prozac moment of ecstasy as much as not that that not that that can't happen. But the practice of prayer, which you right. could say is like silence, openness sitting with the presence of God, sitting with like the presence of myself and my own life and my thoughts and my, and my secrets and all those kinds of things that keeps me in a space so that when God wants to plant some kind of seed or some kind of word, I'm ready to receive it. Like I'm cutting down the noise, uh, of my life, of, of my ego, of all these other narratives. And I'm, I'm giving a space for God to plant that seed. I like that because prayer in that way, um, and so something I've been wrestling with ever since um, I read Aaron Nequis's book, The Eternal Current, is the examine. And it's all of the contemplation that I can bite off and chew. Um, it is yeah. gradually changing me, but it requires more time than I usually have and a lot more thought than I was raised to pray with, if, if that makes yeah, sense. I was raised like Southern Baptist. Yeah. And, and uh, for me, prayer was always a, I did that, it's off the to-do list, it's done, yay, we did it. Um, and then yeah, it I, was a way to absolve myself from any actual action, as opposed, yeah. as opposed, to, as opposed to doing something. Um, I prayed yeah. for it, someone else's job now. Yeah. Concept, contem- 
I can't talk today. So when we talk about contemplative prayer, y'all talk about that there's four different ways. And so you talk about there's guided prayers, contemplative imagery, meditations, and suggested practices. Can y'all just kind of break those apart in brief? What are we talking about when we do those four things? Or is it that they all interweave into each practice? Well, yeah, they, they do interweave. I mean, the way we do it in the book is they, they do interweave. And, and, and just for the, for the record, I mean, there, there are probably endless ways to enter into contemplative prayer. Because uh, mm-hmm. contem- contemplative prayer has more to do with the posture than the particular practice. But then again, you have to practice your way to that posture. So it's a little bit of a, a, little bit of a process. Um, but with the book, maybe like what we'll do, I'll, I'll, I'll open it with a couple and then Scott can pick up the... Specifically, I want to start to dig into the way we need to engage with imagery as a contemplative practice because it's one of the things that makes the book really, really unique. But you know, the suggested practice is all open with and said, you know, part of what Scott just got after here in terms of in terms of your soul uh, treating your soul like soil uh, and, and tending to your soil. That's a thing that has to happen. You do have to spend more time there than you want. If it's just a matter of applying myself the way I'm ready to apply myself, then I'm going to shape my prayer life around my existing condition. And therefore, I'm not transformed by the renewing of my mind. But my mind and its current corruption is going to transform my prayer life, my view of God. And that is, in fact, the way we go about our spiritual lives a lot of the time. Where a lot of what happens in the context of American evangelical spiritual practice, we're really good at accommodating our like existing place like where are you let's meet you there i think we're really good at that we're good at meeting you know we used to say seekers we're good at meeting congregates where they are we're good at meeting each other to some degree where we are we're not as good at taking us somewhere else we're not as good as at the challenge part of it so it does take more time. So a suggested practice, I think it does oftentimes have to come from the outside. What do you want to do? Do you want to spend 15 minutes in silence? No, you don't. But I'm going to ask you to. I'm going to ask you to spend 15 minutes in silence. Do you want to refrain from praying for the things that you want to get in your life, but instead take the time to like be thankful for everything you do have before you ask for something else? No, you want to move right into like, what am I lacking? What do I want from God? What do I need to happen? But I'm going to ask you to not do that for a while, maybe for a couple months, maybe for a year, to stop praying for things you think you need, but stop being, but start being thankful for the stuff you already have that might then reframe the things you actually want. Mm-hmm. In order to honestly be transformed, to actually posture ourselves for what God may or may actually be doing in our lives, we have to till the soil of our souls, and that usually comes with hands, with practices, suggestions. That are that actually are outside us. It doesn't necessarily emanate from like my desires, my will, and my existing need set. So a suggested practice usually has to be someone else's suggestion. Don't it seem that was years ago? Don't it seem like you lost that road? Might even seem like it wasn't you, but I know. I know. Well, to follow up on that, uh, it's been my experience when I try to tell people about what I'm not learning but trying to learn in the examine. Uh, they ask questions that I'm, unhol- I'm, I'm, I'm entirely not ready or prepared to answer because of my lack of practice and lack of understanding of the way that that yeah. prayer works. And so when I'm suggesting things to people or hearing suggestions from others, how do I weigh that for uh, not quality but for truthfulness. That's really good. Truthfulness and what do you mean? Uh, and like what, like your honesty, like truthfulness and like kind of honesty. I, f- I feel like when I say truthfulness, I-, I tend to manipulate things to better me. And I'm yeah. fearful of doing that with prayer, if I'm mm. brutally honest. Yeah. And so uh, when I when I get suggestions of either books or reading or podcast or music, there's always an inherent part of me that's fearful that I'm going to get it and take 
what I want from it and turn it into something that it wasn't intended to be. And so how do I guard against that when I'm getting suggested practices of prayer and contemplation? Well, it's, I mean, it's the process of seeing that kind of desire in you, which I would say isn't necessarily that I would really check and see where the root of maybe that kind of shame or, or saying that's wrong. Uh, you know, like uh, hearing the voice of God in your life is, is it's listening to the voice of love. And I don't know if any of us are like, nope, all filled up. Don't need any more of that. Um, because God's, God's love or just God who is love is that is, uh, his transforming presence. Um, and so when you're saying like, I want to get something out of it, it's like, yeah, I want to be transformed (laughs) by love. And I don't think that's anything to be, uh, ashamed of. I think where we get in some problems, uh, is that we think that we have to be somebody else in order Mm. to be successful at religion. Um, and that, that is the work that we must work through is that like, you know, God is not going to love us any more than where we're at right now. And, and uh, I think a lot of people I, I were, I'm actually working on this like kind of essay about just why, why you'll eventually give up on praying. And uh, one of the reasons is because you can't be yourself because you yeah. don't think that you can be yourself in prayer. Yeah. Um, and we, cause we like, Justin has worded this really well, like religion, like we don't, and this is in the back of our book. It's like, we don't pray because we're religious. We pray because we're human. Right. Prayer is a human response. Religion can help us give a structure and wording to that, uh, to that, to that, uh, response, but it's not the root of that response. It is the, it is, it, it's just giving a structure to it. So what I found helpful, so like I think a lot of us when we think about prayer, we think about like I got to be sitting down and then my hands clasp and I got to be silent. I got to be holy. And it's like no, you could you could be a person who goes on like goes on walks. I have a friend who's a pastor, and every morning his prayer practice is he gets up at four thirty. He's got like six kids, so he has to get up really early to get any sanity. But he just puts on his coat and coffee. And he just goes walks for like an hour. And that's, he's like, that's how I pray. Mm. I can't pray any other way. I just go out in yeah. the dark in the morning and I walk around. And that is a-okay. Like you can't get prayer wrong. You need to figure out what what makes sense for you. Um, you need to find figure out what how you as yourself can enter into it instead of trying to be somebody else in, in prayer. Um, So I often tell people, I'm like, Hey, if words aren't working for you, find a song that works for you. Oh, Hey, guess what? It doesn't even have to be a Christian industry song. Like, you know, what is when you hear a song and you're like, Oh man, that's my song right now. What are we saying? We're saying sonically and lyrically the, that form is helping me go. This is what it feels like to be in my own skin. Maybe that actually we could use that as a vehicle to approach God honestly. Maybe we could just like sing that song or use that poem or use that image or use that written word as the yep. way in which we get to that honest conversation with God. And that's really the intention of our book was like, yes, we're, our prayer book isn't like, here are five paragraphs every day that you need to read it and we'll tell you what prayer is. We're just giving you some excavation tools through words and images to help you get to that inner conversation with your creator, which is which is what prayer is, is that honest, ongoing inner conversation with the one who gave you life. Yeah. So I think reframing or just kind of seeing prayer from that aspect, it takes a lot of the guilt away or like I'm not successful at this. Sometimes like I really resonate with what you said. I started, you know, Jesus says when he's telling his disciples before he gives them the Lord's prayer, he says, Hey, your father in heaven already knows everything you need. And I was like, what do you pray about then? You know? (laughs) Yeah. And so I took that as a prompt. And for a year I would get up at five, like most, like three quarters of the time, uh, I'd make a cup of coffee and I'd sit in my living room in the dark and just go, you already know everything. What do you want to talk about? Hmm. And, 
sometimes it was just kind of being in the silence with myself. Sometimes I would, I would hear God speak some things. I, sometimes I would, after some silence, I would read some Psalms or some scripture, but I, I stopped, Justin was alluding to this. I stopped feeling like I had to carry the weight of the prayer conversation. Yes. Yeah. That, I think that's the biggest, it's like, we feel all up to us. Yeah. And, um, and so, uh, that is a, that is a very freeing move to not put it all on you. <laughs> I want to, I want to come back to, to imagery and, and iconography. Um, but before I do, so where do you feel like, at least here in America, we went off that deep end? Because if I've done this podcast and spoke to people of other parts of our faith, not everyone has this issue with prayer specifically. A lot of people are much easier or, or much more able to engage in a contemplated prayer, but for some reason we aren't. And I don't really know why we disconnected or felt the need in the West to disconnect that part of our brain from our heart. Do you, as you were writing this, did any of that research or, or in, impact come up in this? Yeah, I don't. I didn't come up. It, it wasn't a matter of re, for me. It wasn't a matter of research per se, as uh, in like specific. Like why I went and did the research. I mean, I, like I said, I planted a church in 1998, and I paid attention to the way the people around. Like so, therefore, I was I was I don't want to say responsible to or responsible for, but I was at least attentive to. The, the spiritual, emotional, psychological needs of a particular group of people over, you know, 15, 20 years. And I watched folks struggle, like the way we would talk about it, like I, I struggle with prayer. And then we would go to resources that would tell us all about prayer, that would diagnose prayer, that would talk, talk about this is what prayer is, this is what prayer, you know, potentially looks like. Here's a hear all, hear all these things about like what prayer does and it was like all about prayer in the same way that like sermons talk about god so we end up having encounters with people who tell us about god or we read essays by people who are telling us about prayer and so we end up like a, a, a how should i say this we end up like a like a step or an arm's length away from the thing we are really wanting with the thing yeah. really, really yeah. the thing really we're like wanted. archaeologists we're like it's, reading we're not in the place we're just like reading about the place <laughs> like, about we're like the place. yes we're like studying but, and, we're studying and, a historical thing instead of like actually experiencing it yeah it was like on the outside so the, the dark side so so if i work backwards and I, forgive me if this is a little too too uh, down the kind of toothy prophetic angle here than or toothy prophetic road here than you want to go but the truth of the matter is it's a a lot easier for me to sell you something I can offer you than it is for me to actually teach you, if I can, to encounter and recognize God. So part of why we are where we are, it's because in all reality, there is the there is a sales there's a salesmanship strain in American evangelical Christianity that dictates way too much of what we do and how we do it. Yeah. Um, we want we want to keep butts in seats. And I want because I want to keep my job, and I want to be able to pay for my staff and my worship leader mm -hmm. and our and our lights and our building. Um, and that means that I've got to create something that you need from me. Mm -hmm. So what I'm trying to sell you then is my teaching, and as yeah. opposed to to help you actually commune with God in a way that you, in which I'm no longer actually <laughs> necessary where I can be potentially helpful. So part of why we are where we are is because we are, and here's the big prophetic stream, is because American and white evangelical Christianity has been deeply, deeply infected by consumer capitalism. Uh, and we're more interested in selling things oftentimes than we are in actually helping people connect with one another, with each other, with themselves, and with the Lord. Yeah. That's Dang, the big mic, fat mic overarching. Drop. We'll drop the mic. That's a lot of why we are where we are. Yeah. And, and, and part of what, again, part of what we're doing with the book is what you'll find in what you find in the book is like Scott's Scott's got these beautiful pieces that he's drawn. I've written these prayers. They're these but there's not a whole truckload of Scott and I in the book. There's enough of us to prompt and to push, but what we're honestly interested in, I, I, I swear to you, this is really what we're up to, is we really do believe that you have everything you need in order to connect with the divine, which is to say you are alive and God is present to you. Period. Mm. So the next steps. The next steps are how do you dig into you and discover what is already true, real, and beautiful about your connection with the divine, where you are, exactly where you're at. 
So you don't need 750 word, this 2000 word essays telling you about prayer. No, you need to look into your own soul and recognize he's been good to you. You are shaped beautifully. You are beloved. You are blessed. And so these short little prayer prompts, they're tiny little prayers. So the, you know, the, the guided prayer, my intention is to guide you to recognize the presence, the activity, the beauty, the goodness and the truth of God in your own life. Yeah. Same thing with same thing with images. What Scott is doing is like you like maybe you're someone who doesn't connect with words in the, in the same way anymore. And I'd love to pass the baton back to Scott here in a second and get dig into images the <laughs> way you wanted to, Seth. Is like words sometimes for us, you know, my take with the words, like why isn't this book full of words? One, I think we have too many words in general. And two, we don't pay enough attention to the words we already use. So these are this is a this is a book that's got far fewer words in it, and they're just way more intentionally chosen. Uh, so that you can just sit on a, like a like a tweet length uh, prayer for a day and let those words dig into your soul. And the images do something really similar. I will say before we go to images, being that I've already read the book a few times, because um, it's easy to read, is I'm not allowed to tweet those yet. <laughs> and it's so like, I'm like, I want someone else to read this. Um, so I've been reading it with my son. Mm. And, uh, and he's nine, and so it's good practice for him to read, but he also recently got baptized, and so it makes it, it's different. We can still, it's allowing me to work through prayer in a way that I wasn't certain on how to guide him into pray outside of praying over our food. Um, and so I've been greatly appreciative of that, uh, just as a thank you, un, an unrequested thank you. It's, it's not often that I've had something that I can pray in a way that's meaningful, that he gets the same amount out of it as I do, and it fosters more conversations, and often unexpected ones. So, um, although I will say, the question that he asked, and so Scott, maybe this can be a good transition, is why are there so many trees and so many roots, and why do they go not into the ground? And so that was his question to me. I was like, well, I'll ask. I'll ask the guy that I think drew those. Um, And so can we start there? Like, what is... What is the relationship of imagery to prayer, uh, being that it's not necessarily spoken or even thought? Did I miss you, Scott? Are you gone? I probably hit mute. There we go. I'm sorry. (laughs) When Jesus is talking to uh, people about anxiety, and he's saying, uh, he says, consider the lilies. And he's saying, Go and then, like, look at the birds. He's saying, look at what's going on and just contemplate it. Consider it. Consider what you see. And he's like, there is a world that is revealing uh, what and how God works in the world. So a good question. So a good question for for the visual is, what does this mean? A, a, a Another good question for the visual is, what is this bringing out of you? Like, what is this excavating out of you? Because we all, when we are used to language and we're used to going, this is what the words mean. And what what's helpful with poetry is that kind of plays with that. But with imagery is like a different kind of language. And so we want to approach it the same way and go, what does this mean? But it actually has like a different function. It goes, what is this? What is this? What is this revealing in you? What? How is this a mirror for you? Um, so these prayers, so these one sentence prayers, and then these images are really the same prayer. They're just kind of working in different ways together. Um, and so what happens is when we see this image, like and Justin and I do this cause we do like a, like this live teaching of this stuff, but we'll, we'll dissect an image and we'll be like, what does that say to you? And Justin will say something completely different than me. Very, you know, they're similar and they have similar things, but it, cause it each, it, it like it, we start coming at it from the context of our life, what's concerning us right now, what we're thinking about, you know, it helps reveal all those things. So this is, so this was lost in Protestantism. I mean, this still exists in the Orthodox and Catholic churches, um, because for <laughs> shocking for all of those who, uh, who love the Bible, like the church didn't have a Bible for like 1500 years, like the priests did. <laughs> In, in Latin, but people didn't have Bibles. They didn't, and they didn't even know how to read a lot of people. So they, if you see these, uh, you know, these, if you get a chance to go to Europe or something and you see these kind of cathedrals and churches, they were communicating 
the the wisdom and the truth of God through images, through icons, paintings, sculptures, all these kinds of things. But after the printing press was invented and they started translating it into German and then local languages and then people started learning to read through that, like they were like, we don't need this stuff anymore. Um, so we kind of lost this tradition of a forming image contemplation. So that's what it is. So why your son's like, why does the trees go? Why do the roots not go into the ground? They go into, I think, uh, uh, are they just hanging uh, out there? Like, well, there's one it, no, coming well, out of a co- there's one so coming it, out uh, of a coffin. There's one going into a ship. There's a few that go into hearts. There's a few that go into hands. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of yeah. root imagery, a lot of heart imagery. Yeah. Um, yeah. And a lot of tree imagery. Uh, there's the only one I think that goes into the ground prayer that you, that, that I don't know which one of y'all wrote it or, or probably both. There's one that says, May I never consider my weakness and faults the larger or most authentic part of me. And yeah. those roots are obviously yeah. deeply rooted beyond the surface, which I hear yeah. is that, which I see as the deepest part of me. Yeah. Not my weaknesses mm. or my faults. I might be doing that wrong, but that's what I see. So. Nope. Yeah. You're not doing that wrong. That's what's in you, bro. They're <laughs> not doing that wrong. You you nailed it. In, insofar as that's what it's you know, again, that's the stuff like and I love the way you open it up too, because you're like, hey, I have this thing. Uh I, I don't want to do that work because of what I see in me. Like but what you're describing right now, like your engagement with the piece, like that's exactly the way we are hoping a reader's again like there isn't like i think i might be getting this wrong no man that's like like what what does it make you think of what does it make you feel okay cool i'll offer that back to the spirit and see where you go from there like that's not wrong that's like that is the ball game yeah that's prayer that's real spiritual actual like self-engagement with the spirit of god yeah well it's unsettling and it has it's uncomfortable yeah uh there's a there's a jesuit priest Oh, we still got bling, and it has. <laughs> <laughs> uh, just to our listeners out there, Justin's on a tour bus because he's a hashtag big deal. But uh, there oh, is God. the county of some out in the county of somewhere in Texas where the reception cuts out every now and then. You cut out there, buddy. <laughs> you were talking. <laughs> no big deal. Oh my bad. I'm gonna I'm gonna no, blame okay. this on my brother. So he lives north of Dallas, which I think is where you are. And and so I'm just going to say that if he paid more in taxes, you wouldn't have had this problem. And Ooh, and, and so James, go. if you're listening, I need you to do Ooh. I need you to do better. I need you to do better. Yeah. <laughs> so I like it. I like it. <laughs> oddly enough, who knows if he'll ever listen? And I'm not even going to tell him I said that. And so that's how we'll know. <laughs> that's how we'll know. It's very it's very green M and M's. We were candles and kerosene. The image that stuck with me the most, I don't know if either of you have your book in front of you, but Prayer 21, uh, where you talk about the depth of generosity, never being swayed by the depths Uh of thanks. Uh, the mm-hmm. hands and the inputs to the hands are different shapes. Mm-hmm. Something still doesn't sit right with me about that image. And so can either of you talk to me a bit about either that prayer or that image or how the two interplay? Yeah, that image is weird. Um, for me, because so Justin, the way that this book kind of came around is Justin had spent three years tinkering with these one sentence prayers during Lent. And, uh, and then, so he had a pretty complete list and then he gave it to me and then I, just spent a number of months going through it and and prayerfully thinking through them and and then making these images. So that one is kind of uh, is, is sort of for our listeners like it's got a it's kind of a yin and yang. So it's got a hand, you know, an arm and a hand putting a a piece into something. Oh. Justin, are you on a bus? I'm I'm back now. I I made I made this I made movements. I should be way better than I was before. Perfect, perfect. Um, and then it's placing a an object into another cylinder that goes into another hand. That's placing an object into the cylinder 
which is the arm. So it's kind of this like rotating thing. That idea was just like where we give from should not be an empty place. Like we have to, where we give from is the place where we also receive um, from. And so I think sometimes we think that we just have to be endlessly generous. And yet God is always inviting us to ask what we, what we want, what we need, what we desire to spend time in his presence and, and receive the love that we need. Um, and the, these, this is going to be the place that's going to form the way in which we give and are generous to the world. Um, it's not this just, it's see again, it's, it's, uh, this, the, you know, the ways in which religion ruins us is, is that it makes it all up to us. Yes. It, It puts a lot of the weight on us that we have to be these endless givers instead of, instead of like, that's giving is just a natural part because we've already been receiving, we've already been receiving grace. Uh, there's a there's a Jesuit priest uh, named Anthony DeMello, and he's got this great prayer, which I got to say, at a certain part of my life, I would have been like, that is, that sounds like heresy. But he says, be grateful for your sins, because they are doorways to grace. Mm. And as I've sat with that for a number of years now, what it reveals to me is how much I think I need to earn God's love by my perfection. Right. And that what he's saying, is he's saying like your, your weaknesses and faults or whatever it is, that is where we, that is where, that is the place that God meets us. God is giving grace to us in those spots. And that is the thing that's going to transform us the mo- most, more than our piety and our righteousness. Um, and so if we think about generosity in, in a similar vein of like, where is the place, maybe the place of like lacking and fear is the place that I can, I can trust and give from, or maybe the place that I've, I've actually take, been taking time to receive, and that's going to inform more of this moving away from a scarcity mindset. That kind of stuff. So that's 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 what I think is going on there. Again, I want to say there's no solid. This is the only answer. As much as that was my intention with that image. Right. Yeah, and I, I mean the original prayer out of my own personal life and personal experience had to do with recognizing that if I'm going to be generous, my generosity needs to be rooted in the abundance of God's goodness, as opposed to a my like what I feel like I have to offer. Or B, more insidiously, what I think I'm going to get out of giving, and that's where it's really corrupt. Is that if I then then all my generosity is like rooted in this sort of ROI equation. Like if I if I invest in this person's life, then what's going to happen is I'm going to get this, and we're going to get this and this out of that investment. So specifically, as a like working as a pastor, like some of the strangely like twisted pastoral training I received had to do with like making sure I was investing in quote the right people. And usually <laughs> the right people were people who are going to be able to turn around and reinvest in the institutional yeah. seg in which I like yeah. I was functioning. So so disciple yeah. making had to do with like putting time and effort into already qualified people who were qualified according to the needs of the institutional setting in which I was working, as opposed to how about you love, cherish, care for exactly who it is that God gives you to, regardless of whether what, what it is you or your institution is going to get out of it. You just let the spirit form the church as opposed to you feeling like you can build that by way of your generosity. Yeah. That's where the prayer came from in me. It's like, I, I need, I need to reorient why it is I give. A few weeks, about a week ago, I think I put out on Twitter during my lunch break, I was reading through this. Um, one of your prayers that was, well, I didn't put out on the prayer. I just put out that I needed this today. And so I had been struggling with the conversation at church about generosity and abundance, mm-hmm. abundance of grace. And uh, we worked through a bunch of the episodes from the podcast at Sunday evenings at church with this very small group, uh, spread out amongst all of the, all of the, the faiths and religions and not faiths and religions, uh, the, the ages, the ages and the demographics and whatnot. It was, it was beautiful. Um, but something we talked about a lot was being generous and we could actually impact our community if we just stopped hoarding gifts. And so when I saw the image, you know, that, that sat with me for weeks. And so when I saw the image, what I saw was I have this gift that I've been given that I'm supposed to freely give. 
it's shaped like this. And somehow, going through the work of the arms of this person, it's transformed into a different gift, which is also freely given in a reciprocal... Mm-hmm. That's good. In a reciprocal way. But again, so the image has just stuck with me. I, I've, I've revisited it often. I, I took a picture of it and made it the background on my phone for a few days. Like I... I couldn't get it. Yeah. Out, I couldn't get it out of my head. So both thank See, you. This, so, so both thank you the, and not thank you for that. Both. both yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, no. I think it's really important to res- recognize, like, why is this capturing me so much? Like, that is the doorway to a deeper conversation, right? It's just like recognizing that, and then sitting with it. Um, this happens to me a lot with like a song. I'll hear a song and I'll just be like, what is that? And I'll just listen to it over and over and over again. Um, yeah, but that's great. That's great. No, man, that's exactly right. <laughs> Last question for each of you, and it's not going to be fair. What is either your favorite prayer in this book and or your favorite image in this book? And they don't, the two don't have to be related, yeah. but, but then why? Like if you had to choose one of these 40 days, this is my baby. That's good. Mm. Knowing full well that answer is probably going to change in 30 days for many reasons, but for today anyway. Yeah. Well, depending on, honestly, it, you know, insofar as it's, it is the day, the, that prayer, that, that'll probably change by the end of the day, depending on how the election <laughs> results go for me. But uh, <laughs> if I'm being honest, <laughs> this prayer about being the same person in all circumstances, that I would be an uncompromising whole person. May I be the same person regardless of my circumstances uh, in, in, in posture? Uh, may I be uh, an uncompromisingly whole person? And the image that's associated with that, and the, that it's, for me, uh, among the images in the book, it's the image that keeps coming back because it is as whole feeling as an image. It's this, it's a really, um, there's, a, there's a vase with roots and out of the roots, these leaves are going and it's encapsulated by this, uh, by the sphere, and the, it feels like this. There are multiple elements to the image that that do still feel like one single image. It's whole. Uh, I I come back to that regularly, uh, and it continues to speak to me and inform me and challenge me. That's the prayer and the image that I come back to. Nice. Yeah, uh, for me, there's a prayer uh, that says, "May I have hope for myself the way I do for others," and then the image is this kind of this boat and inside of it is a lighthouse and um i like the words and the images a lot for this because the the boat with the lighthouse has kind of become an image of pilgrimage for me instead of this kind of uh idea like oh i'm just on this journey and i gotta go to this light and that's the safety you know whatever the lighthouse represents this kind of like safe harbor or something Um, I think putting the lighthouse in the boat is like, we're all on this pilgrimage. We're all on this journey. And each one of us have something to offer to the other. Like often we'll see other people's light and that's a helpful thing for us, but we can't disregard that our lives have an own, our own light to it. And I can offer, I can often like see people and be like, man, I'm so excited for you. I have so much enthusiasm for what's ahead of you. And then I examine my own life without examining the filters I put on myself and just go, there's nothing for me. And I was like, well, that's not true either. Yeah. So uh, I think that's a good, that, that one keeps, uh, that one's been resonating with me. Yeah. Nice. Well, thank you both so much for your time today. And so in closing, where can people listening? Um, obviously, I, I would recommend you go out and, and get this book for a few reasons. Um, it's not extremely expensive. It is entirely engaging and in a way that is not, not taxing mentally because it's too much to read. It will be taxing emotionally, but I think that's worth the effort. But so, so where would you direct people to both engage with the book and engage with each of you? You can start with just visiting 40daysprayerbook.com. Uh, and that from there, you can go to any of the places you would normally uh, buy books um, instead of picking out one seller. And then uh, 40 yeah, as in you have four zero. So yeah, four zero days Okay. That's the best place to start. And then uh, Justin is justinmcroberts.com and at Justin McRoberts on all the all the social medias. And uh, I'm Scott Erickson, Scott Erickson art.com and then Scott the Painter on all the social medias. 
and that's where you can find out kind of what we're doing. And we will be we will be like talking about this content in the next year, doing shows and things like that. So nice. we'll have all that information there. Yeah. Very nice. Well, good. Well, open invitation. If you come to the Charlottesville, Virginia area, uh, I'd love to. Oh. I'd love to. I'd love to reach up. I have no contacts to make that happen. But if you're close enough, <laughs> I would love to make time to come and and uh, and chat with you in person. So let's do that. Yeah, definitely. Well, thank you again so much for your time. Um, Justin, tell you and your hashtag big deal friends um, who don't know me <laughs> that I said hello. Why not? I um, <laughs> so, um, uh, and, and Scott, good luck with your, um, with your renovations. Appreciate you both. Thank you. Boy, I used to be angry. I learned how to fight. Oh, I used to be certain, now I'm alright Used to think every good work was done in the life I don't really know a good way to end this episode, and so I'll just leave you with this. I pray for each of you that you will dive deep into contemplation and sit in silence and pray in new ways this year, that you'll find new facets of the love of God in prayer, and that those facets will work themselves into your being at a level that you live differently, but not intentionally. It just becomes the new status quo. You don't try to do it. It just becomes you. That, we'll use a bigger word, that theosis, that that part of you, week over week over week, is changed to be more Christ-like. And so be well in your prayers. I'm praying both for you and with you, as I hope you are for me, and honestly, everyone else that we come in proximity with. Today's music was provided by permission from Justin McRoberts. That's right, you heard that name right. The same Justin McRoberts that I just finished talking with. You'll find links to all the music used today in the Can I Say This at Church Spotify playlist, and the tracks specifically listed in the show notes. Talk to you next week. Be well, everyone. Just stay inside when the shadows grew longer Just run and hide Used to take your abuses And swallow my pride Everything Has changed For me Everything Has changed For me Taking my time Used to think only